0: This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man.
1: (laughs) Boy. Hey, let's talk about you. The ID10T community events at ID10T.com. Like Russ Stevens, a.k.a. Cool Movies Darth, who has started a podcast called 90 for Chill. Uh, which Russ says is dedicated to movies with a runtime between 74 and 99 minutes, the time frame that I feel is ideal. Russ, I could not agree with you more. That is a fantastic idea. Uh, Russ goes on to say there are times you need a cinematic fix but don't have time for the latest Scorsese masterpiece or offering from a comic book universe. There's also times when you know you need a conclusion to prevent a binge costing you a whole night. My um, guest and I try to follow these guidelines as we chat up features that are definitely worth your time and are beyond easy to make time for. 90 for Chill, the podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms at 94chill.com. And that's spelling out 90, N uh, I N E T Y 4 F O R, chill. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing, Russ. A uh, really great idea for a podcast. Events at ID10T.com for everyone else. Little hands, says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise.
0: Thank you for checking out Nighty for Chill the Podcast with Catbus Russ. This is your host, Catbus Russ. And this is why I say if you want to get an idea of what the podcast is gonna be, give me a follow on letterbox. My username there is CM Darth. That's C as in cool, M as in movies, Darth is in a Sith Lord. Once again, the premier CM in all the world, I like to think. I digress. If you follow my letterbox, you saw that I was on a Ken Russell binge. This was kind of inspired from the YouTube channel Musical Hell when my older sister, the poetic critic, showed me the Listomania episode. A movie by Ken Russell, The Director of Tommy that was advertised as outdoing Tommy in the same year of Tommy. So, I've had a fascination with him um primarily from The Lair of the White Worm, which I will recap at the end of this episode. But my Netflix DVD this time was Altered States with William Hurt. Um, I mean, this is like, what if you had science behind Videodrome? So very promising there. And then I followed it up with his two other features that fit the criteria of the podcast from the 1980s, criteria being 7,100 minutes long, which were Gothic, which features a bunch of the Brit pack, And Timothy Spall. So, and not going to say much promise there, but Salame's Last Dance, a take on Oscar Wilde watching one of his plays in a brothel about John the Baptist, was just very interesting. So, and that pretty much sums up Ken Russell, I think. He just, he will throw anything out there if it makes sense or not. And, you know, I would say. Half the time, it's going to make sense, and you're going to have a ball. As long as there's a some kind of story, I think he doesn't really miss too much. So... With all that said, if you want to help me out this podcast, first off, you could be a guest. Send an email to rustabust07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. And as I said, the criteria is 70 to 100 minutes long for topics, but I can make anything work. Throw me, Amadeus. I'll think of something. Uh, Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at CatBusRuss. Follow me on Mastodon at Stevens at Mastodon.social. Guess all I have left to do is, you know, thanks, Sasha Harden for keeping an eye on me, keeping me out of trouble for the most part. Uh, Maybe the date that I was hoping for, which kind of like, okay, I guess the Ken Russell binge is going to be the backup order, was a good thing, and she was looking after me alongside the one-eared angel, Skimbleshanks. Thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast. I hope you enjoy the show and please at least watch one of these features. Thanks.
1: In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment, Is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. During these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting off with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. Now, I'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the risk. Wait. I'm really frightened. We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure. Now, how do we stop this? We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. He may be on to something that is beyond our own comprehension. Now, because I believe him, I want this thing to stop. <laughs> the hell was that? You okay? If you love me, if you love me, Annie, States.
0: I've just concluded watching Altered State, Ken Russell's film from 1980, the William Hurt debut feature. It's a tale about a rather disconnected uh, physiological psychologist, I-, I guess, who's doing his best to try to figure out the final truth, the ultimate truth. It can't be religion. He's abandoned that years ago, and he thinks it has to be inside the mind, which is kind of creepy because I find this character to be very much like, hmm, yeah, no, no, I I see that. Granted, I've never played with hallucinogens, so uh, yes, it's basically the story of him discovering a drug in Mexico, I guess we could probably say mdma but a little more fantastical than that and through uh deprecation tanks he's not only hallucinates but maybe having physical changes it's up to his uh, wife who's dealing with the fact that he's never expressed love towards her and his two colleagues that um Basically, they're there to try making sure he doesn't go over the edge. So it's a real crazy film with, uh, I'd say, influences... A film that may have influenced uh, Otomo's Akira. Um, It pulls a lot of Kubrickian stuff. Like, this could be the set of science fiction, a, dare I say, science fact way of creating 2001's finale. Um it's just a fascinating feature. The visuals, like, um, some of them really are, really work. Some of them are like, yeah, you're throwing stuff at the wall, Ken. Um, but definitely, this is probably the most down-to-earth, dare I say, narrative I've seen from Ken Russell. And I've only really seen two other features of his. Tommy, uh, from the adaptation of The Rock, who the... Who's rock opera and the lair of the white worm, where Hugh Grant and Peter Capaldi in 1988 take on a woman trying to bring back a lizard god with very phallic stuff? And I had just watched Musical Hell's uh, video about listomania, speaking more of the phallic stuff. I can't really say there's any phallic stuff in this one. Um, a lot of like, oh, but nudity is rather important, so. But it's, um, William Hurt's excellent in it, like all assholes in Hollywood seem to be, um, the supporting of, I believe, ah, shoot, really need my phone, or, well, I got the computer up, let's try getting to the IMDB, thank you for your patience, um, I mean, the supporting cast is excellent, I mean, everybody's... Everybody's really committed to this feature which really I think makes it more work more than say the direction. I mean as I say there's some great visuals like the final trips and such. Awesome. There's some of it like just seems like Ken Russell could have been is like the prototype of music video director. So if you take it like that, if you approach it like He's just throwing experimental stuff up there because we need something new. Uh, Ken Russell really hits it. Uh, And I would say there's the uh, Kubrickian, um, like Stanley Kubrick, he's excellent excellent when it comes to uh, Miss Sun Sun. Unfortunately, he doesn't quite have the cinematographers, the talent, I think, to nail these picturesque shots. So perhaps it's not a actually a bad thing he still likes this is what keeps him in reality so it's a i mean it's just a feature that has to really be seen um his wife is played by blair brown so it's um i mean it's just yeah it it is a trip uh Really wish I would have probably just held on to this Netflix DVD and passed the uh, 29th and get to keep it, because uh, I could probably use some pot in this feature. So, But as I say, you got elements from that. It just, it's, it, I don't want to use the word seminal, but yeah, I would say this uh, kind of s- Whatever fantastical elements you would say from other science fiction about trying to discover ourselves, this kind of grounds it. And yeah, there's moments where that grounding goes off the edge. And um, honestly, I think any Ghostbuster fan might like it because we do get the entire Revelations thing. And there's, oh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. We get to see the seven eyed goat. I mean, there's just so many things that. Uh, leave you pointing at the screen like Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, like, for nerds. But I think if you see this, and then you get so much more out of other items of uh, films from, that, uh, from this point forward. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend Altered States, I guess is the long and short of it. Um, like, and I'll even say... And I sent the Mastodon post out, uh, Mastodon, uh, Russ Stevens, sorry, at Russ Stevens, at Mastodon dot social. Um, and then, yeah, I did send it to my Twitter account, the catbusrus. Um, you could eat, like, I'm tempted to say Prometheus is just altered state with Xenomorphs. Or, well, we're getting there. So that's, um, yeah altered states um this might be i i don't know if i'm ever going to see a ken russell movie that, movie that's going to top that probably have to ask a poetic, poetic critic about that now i'm just yep going over my own words so i better just hang her up thank you
1: before mary shelley could write her masterwork of terror frankenstein she had to experience it I have it in mind to raise the dead. Yes, the skull of the black monk. His appearance was said to herald disaster. Gaze into the eyes. Conjure up your deepest, darkest fear. Call that fear to form, to light. from your own. Be there waiting in the shadows until it has seen us to our death. In one night, two legends were born.
0: Continuing on with my Ken Russell's 80s look dive what have you i've just finished watching gothic from 1986 starring well it's a hell of a cast gabriel Byrne, uh, natasha richardson the late julian sands timothy spall and it's hard for me to hate anything with timothy spall i mean doing a red dwarf cameo back in season six kind of gives you extra points with me i also liked him in vanilla sky but i digress so this is a story about the night that inspired Mary Shelley to write Frankenstein, which is basically Lord Byron, who I think to undertu- Highlander this series may have done this concept better. That suggests that Lord Byron was an immortal and Duncan MacLeod was present for this event. And through, I don't know if it was a quickening, I gotta go rewatch that episode now. Mary Shelley discovers the invincibility making Lord Byron the modern Prometheus alright a lot of Prometheus stuff now that I after watching Altered States again, my digression the five guests Lord Byron's the host so I should say four are his biographer uh (laughs) ah shoot, I'm sorry Percy Blythe Shelley uh, this is Mary Shelley and Claire Clareton, I believe it was, his, her stepsister. And, you know, what I think was meant to just start as an orgy, a celebration of laudanum and atheism. Sounds like Ken Russell knows how to push my buttons, I guess. Um, they decide, after reading a German ghost story that they should create their own ghost stories. And from there, we lose an entire... Well, the poetic critic, my big sister, basically just says, this is high camp and it's worse. <laughs> it's just basically visions, and eventually Mary Shelley seeing her entire future. So it gets really silly. Uh, in the end, I guess she goes and tells you how she's going to create Frankenstein, but I don't know where you're gonna get the inspiration. Um, I guess it's a argument for you know, Christianity as in there might be a god, so hence all of this defile led to a nightmarish events but I, I think that's kind of just doesn't doesn't hit. There's again great performances, uh, Natasha Richardson is solid, uh, Gabriel Byrne is the right kind of sleazy for Lord Byron, Julian Sands, younger role for him, and I think, uh, earlier role from what I know about him, this isn't, uh, warlock evil, um, is solid, um, I don't know about, um, I know her last name is Mir, or something, who plays Claritin. Uh, and there are some great direction. I, I, you know it's a Ken Russell movie, um, but the story is just so disjointed. It doesn't really just hold up, so it kind of doesn't justify, I guess, the la- the la- the resolution to mary shelley's role in it kind of makes sense after you watch everything but if you're not a history major um it just kind of feels like no it's not going to make sense until the epilogue in modern day which kind of hurts again so a lot of poor script ideas um so with that said i don't think you're going to miss anything by skipping this in ken russell's um filmography uh as i say great direction flourishes i guess he doesn't really get to get too crazy though or it just seems very grounded the gruesome effects at points um that doesn't really fit him it's not very uh phallic despite i think this is the first time in the 80s that he introduced a cod piece i'm trying to get the poetic critics attention on twitter to give me an answer to that um but no, it's not is this the narrative is not is not there and and it's not goofy enough to to really be fun. So not um you know, this all kind of started with my well, altered states was my Netflix DVD and I'm trying to rush through them so I can possibly get ten DVDs um as for my loyalty um but it started with my big sister showing me the musical hell uh youtube video about a uh, listomania and that just seemed so much camp fun that i have to get to that picture maybe i need to uh visit well again there's criterion channel accounts to hack but again digression so um. Basically, I'm here for the crazy, and disturbing is not necessarily crazy. Altered States wasn't honestly that crazy in terms of it's like a predecessor to Videodrome. So, okay, you can say it's crazy, but the narrative makes sense, and this one just drops a ball there. So, uh, Altered States, definitely see um, Layer of the White Worm. Definitely. I think I only have one more to watch from the 80s that qualifies for this podcast. And I'll see if I can
1: get that in. In 1892, Oscar Wilde's Salome was banned by British law. There is only one thing worse than to be talked about, and that is not to be talked about. Now, you're invited to enjoy the forbidden. In defiance of the law, and in honor of our greatest playwright, the premiere of Salome will take place here tonight. Let the play commence. Man has come. Who said that? It's the voice of the Prophet, Princess. The Prophet John the Baptist. Sometimes he says fearful things, but we never understand. I want to speak to him. It's impossible, Princess. I want to. He's a great prophet. Oh, I don't believe in prophets. How can anyone say what will happen? No one knows. John the Baptist. Who speaks? seen God. No one has seen God since the prophet Elijah. Shut them up. Salome, you are accursed. Ah, There she is. You are always looking at her. Don't look at her. Salome, daughter of Herodias, dance for me. I don't want her to dance. I have no desire to dance. You will give me anything i ask for tetra even if it's half my kingdom my daughter do not dance i want it brought to me on a silver platter why did i give my word kings should never give their
0: word and to close out the sub one hundred minute eighties of Ken Russell, I've watched the Salome's Last Dance from nineteen eighty eight. A story, well, basically, it's just Ken Russell' adaptation of uh, Salome, Oscar Wilde's play that was written in eighteen ninety one banned, of course, in England by Lord Chamberlain for discussing biblical figures. So I can't really say stick too closely to the New Testament uh, because Sunday School, at least at Morton Methodist um, Morton United Methodist Church, we didn't really get into the heavy details of what happened to John the Baptist. So this is the story, at least the play is the story of Salome, daughter of Tectra and Herodias the king and queen of Judea the king's stepdaughter Salome who is obsessed with John the Baptist a captive of the royal family and as he keeps denouncing her and her mother she grows angry and obsessed with possessing him and Head on a silver platter, is what she gets as a result of her negotiating a dance. Dare I say incestuous dance with for her stepfather? So not overly incestuous, just just saying what Pornhub standards are. Um, yep. So striptease for a decapitation and. Since this play was banned in eighteen uh, ninety-one in England, so this play takes place. This rendition is especially made for Oscar Wilde to watch at a brothel, and the performers are both employees and actors of said um, facility. So that's um, that is basically sums up the wraparound device and the play uh, Salome and then you just get all of Ken Russell's wild imagery which really makes you want to go and see Salome you know do we open the film with topless um, women sodomizing John the Baptist it's right at the beginning of the movie I don't think that's much of a spoiler and then you get crazy imagery I mean lots of topless women during the strip tease, well, there might be some surprising equipment uh, as they kind of play three-card monte with dancers. And then, of course, you have the dwarves playing Hasidic, um, I should say, Orthodox Jews. So, yeah, all the craziness you expect, but I love the setting for it, that we know it's going to be taking place all in this one room for Oscar Wilde's enjoyment if he doesn't get distracted by golden boys. Um, so I like, and it's well directed in the sense that, like I complained about Gold Diggers of nineteen thirty three, like no, this stuff you can't have. Show us a play and then say, oh, but I'm going to show you all all the surrounding elements which definitely can't really occur in reality and um no it's this is very much grounded in all right it's a stage in a room in a brothel and that's what we have so i just love the simplicity of that um ken russell's direction he again master of mess on sun uh not um definitely doesn't have the the patience of a stanley kubrick though So nothing looking overly um, picturesque, but it's just such a silly take on, well, frankly, well, yeah, frankly, silly stories. All right, atheist, I digress. Uh, The acting is on point. It's, um, I really was doing a lot of reading on the lead actress. Um, Well, I guess you'd say she'd be the lead actress um let me try to get that pulled up uh, so Salome um Douglas Hodge uh, one of my the poetic critics favorites uh plays John the Baptist so this in younger younger role for him um let me see Salome's last dance uh Imigan malaise Scott um I mean interesting story she didn't really do much acting after this and I guess she was blind either during or before the filming of this three-week bet that Ken Russell made just to say, I can do a movie for under a million dollars in 1988. So yes, I just dig the silliness of everything about this feature. I'm not saying it's Ken Russell's best by any stretch of the imagination, but this is kind of uh, what I expect when I see a Ken Russell movie, and as long as the plot devices work I think it succeeds so I think you should everyone should take the time to watch this feature I mean it's an easier I mean just the craziness I think makes it an easier sell than some of his stricter narratives like Altered States or Lair of the White Worm and maybe you just don't have that extra half hour for Tommy so yes I quite enjoyed um, the spectacle that was Salome's Last Dance <laughs>
1: in stone rig cavern legend has it that stone rig cavern was the lair of the damson worm my god when the venom attacks the nervous system the victim appears to be afflicted by a form of vampirism i hear you're having trouble with a snake Ah, and you're going to uphold family tradition and slay the beastie. Are you out of your mind? Mine, you are a fine growing Here's to the first swallow. tale t- to tell you i can hardly wait
0: for the sake of my podcast listeners the dozens i hope i decided to complete this podcast with all of the 1980s ken russell covered so i just rewatched lair of the white worm a story that's set in Northern England about a snake god. It's a story about a archaeologist, Angus Flint, played by Peter Capaldi, who discovers a skull on the land that he's of the bed and breakfast he's staying at, and eventually finds a remnants of a Ah, jeez, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of the words. It's late in the night, of course. Um, A nunnery, dare I say. Um, Sorry, just come up with the wrong. I'm not a Catholic. Um, With snake relations to it. And after hallucinations by the two sisters who run the inn, it's up to Capaldi and Hugh Grant, who plays the lord of the town, the, to go and take on the. try to figure out what all this snake related craziness is centered around Lady Sylvia, played by Amanda Donahoe. And with this rewatch, I just. It, I really got to, um, surprisingly, since it's so late, I really got to um, just revel in some of the subtleties of it. Uh, just great direction choices by Ken Russell um it's got the craziness of some imagery when we go into hallucinations like okay well that's definitely video um so it kind of takes you out of it but it's just so crazy you can't help but embrace it and amanda donahoe is just a great villainess in this this feature and i mean you have a snake vampire essentially who can be distracted by just good old rhythmic music so again subtleties like she really likes heavy metal because <laughs> you know just noise and um some of her dialogue is just i mean very i mean it's just a very well written character um in a sense kind of disconnected like I would say William Hurt's character in Altered State. So, uh, and since I related to that, I kind of relate to the Sylvie, Sylvia character. But I mean, you get Boy Scouts being stalked by a snake goddess. You got hapless policemen, well meaning house staff. It's just, and oh, I never, like, really got to appreciate the airplane dream sequence which that's probably the most Ken Russell thing there when we see in two uh women fighting and Hugh Grant holding a pen as his arms are tied by a seatbelt, and the pen just gradually goes up so so much silliness um and uh, other things like Mongoose usage—it's just really out there, and you can't help but enjoy it. I think, because uh, the narrative, I think, is pretty tight. Honestly, I could have probably gone another fifteen minutes to further create the mythology. You know, it's been th- thirty-five years. Let's let's think about you know, hey, uh, you know, if we can get Main Event of the Dead off the ground, that would be probably. Taking on this feature would probably be a nice follow up. So, um, yeah, and as I say, as always, Ken Russell can really nail down that simit- the, um, setting up great scenes. And I think just, um, and he, he basically, he's the Kubrick who, uh, he's just the Kubrick of, um, Now I'm just fumbling on my words. Uh, He's the Kubrick of camp. And I... You know, it's tough for me to say. Because, you know, I'm a big Cronenberg guy. And Stuart Gordon. um, And I think Stuart Gordon probably may have better films. But he's just not the same kind. He's not the filmmaker. So he might be the wiser auteur. But... and. Keep in mind, Russell doesn't usually write his own scripts, so... Almost a director for hire, and it's just, like... Weird that we have all this campy stuff, and there's just somebody who's ready to do it. Instead of, you know, relying on his own uh, vision at all all ends. And, you know, it's just very funny. The last three features I watched after Altered States, they're all Vestron video uh, releases, so... Uh, look at your, I know they're at Best Buy, uh, Vestron Collection um, 4Ks, or at least Blu-rays, so something to keep your eye out for, if, and something a little more for- affordable than your arrows and what you'd find at Barnes & Noble. So, Lair of the White Worm, if you love camp, this movie is absolutely for you.
1: Can I hear a wahoo?